Hi there, this is Wafa Al-Abedat. You are listening to the Women Power Podcast, a subsidiary platform to the Women Power Summit, the largest event in MENA, with the aim of empowering women and helping them achieve their absolute highest potential. Each week on the Women Power Podcast, you will hear honest, vulnerable, authentic, real conversations from inspiring women. These women will share their experiences and stories into what it takes to build a successful business and career. The podcast will share insight and inspiration and hopefully inspire action and lead change. Fatal Banawi is an internationally acclaimed actress and a storyteller whose starring role in the feature Baraka Meets Baraka was foundational for Saudi cinema. She was selected by Time magazine as part of its Young Generation Leaders list for her storytelling ventures that highlight the intimate tales of life in Saudi through her project The Other Story. Fatma was also selected as a jury member at the feature film competition within the 11th edition of the Balmo Arab Film Festival. In addition to that, she has officially become the brand ambassador for the French luxury manufacturer Cartier International SNC. Welcome, Fatma. So I love to usually introduce, like there's a bit of an intro before the podcast starts, but I'd love to hear from you because you're so versatile. Like we were like, how do we pack it all in in 45 minutes with you? But if you can introduce yourself and the many hats that you wear, um, I'd just love to hear it from you. Okay. Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Really, it's an honor um, to speak about the many hats that I'm under or that sort of um, entail my work I think like beyond just work I think what I love to to hold myself under um, is storytelling like it's something that carries me and really I think shapes all the different hats that I wear Um, in a way or another you would find that storytelling um, is is the 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 not the ingredient, let's say the recipe or, you know. It's like the common uh, thread. Yes, exactly. Between all the different things that I do. And it's because I'm a strong believer in storytelling and it, what, what it does to humans, human relations, how it brings people together, uh, brings people to themselves. And maybe another way of putting it, it's the psychosocial development that I'm really interested in through the power of storytelling. There are different mediums to to develop societies or to develop, you know, one's own well-being, mental well-being. Um, but I prefer to tap on the storytelling aspect, the creative aspect, and uh, let that do its magic in a way. What is your earliest experience with storytelling? Like, how far back can you go where you were like, whoa, this is so cool, and I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing it? I mean, I, I think I would, I would say as early as I used to watch plays, uh, internationally speaking, like when we used to travel and I would watch, uh, go to, you know, Phantom of the Opera or Les Miserables or, you know, Matilda or Lion King and just how fascinated I was, the goosebumps I had, the, even my face like blushing and, and my heart's, yeah, like really my heart feeling the vibes and the energy and the chemistry uh, on stage resonated and and stayed with me for long after I watched that play or, you know, each play. Um, I thought that that happened to everyone. 
um, in a similar way, but I think I had it more. I think what, what, what I was experiencing was, was a tiny bit more than what everyone was experiencing from my family or friends that attended these plays with me. And perhaps also, you know, films, even earlier than the plays when we started, you know, traveling abroad, but films that I watched that I felt, you know, not only resonated with me, but I really felt a, a deep connection to the protagonists to the extent that, you know, I would actually wear the Matilda ribbons for two months in a row, like going to school, wearing the ribbons. Every day I have a different ribbon. <laughs> and I sort of felt a belonging to these characters um, from a very early age. And it grew with me. The first time I saw Lion King, and I'm like you, like, I'm obsessed with musicals even more than anything else. Like, just the whole combination of just, like, sound and set and story. Um, but I, I cried, like, I cried. And I was, like, looking around. Everybody was happy, but I was, like, proper, like, it was, like, someone died, you know? Like, it was so moving that I was, like, everyone in the world should have this experience. Um, so I feel you. It's, like, it's, like, it's, it's beyond traveling. It's just, like going to a different dimension and you forget where you are and it's like such a awesome experience um i want to go back to the very beginning you studied theological studies what why and who made you do it and why were you so passionate about it i made myself do it <laughs> believe it or not um <laughs> it was me yeah point the fingers um so interestingly, like I studied psychology uh, for my bachelor's, uh, you know, a bachelor's in uh, uh, counseling psychology from Effort University. And I was very much fond um, and interested in uh, social psychology, community psychology, women's psychology. It, you know, caught my attention, uh, drove my interests and uh, all my research that I was very, you know, um, you know, it, that drove me that spite, like, I don't know, it, 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 um, it stayed with me and I graduated and worked against violence, um, with the family protection society. And I noticed even more, um, how important it was even more so during that time, um, to understand the religious discourse that was really playing a big role in our social setup. So whether it was a direct impact or an indirect impact, but every society is constructed or shaped with specific discourses. Sometimes it's economical, sometimes it's social, sometimes it's well-being, sometimes it's even like the seasons, you know, you see different countries or cities that are impacted with their locations, uh, where, with, you know, the habitat and how they're, uh, they have to interact with it and it indirectly sort of molds them into a specific kind of society. And in my society, it was really, really impacted one way or another by religion. And so it was very important for me to understand um, how we play with that and what comes first and how the interaction works. Uh, so when I went to, and applied to, for different, you know, master's degrees, one of them was the theological studies that Harvard had. 
And in Harvard, it wasn't purely religion. It was very nice because the area of focus that I chose was one out of 18 different areas of focus that you could, as a student, choose from. And so it was very um, multifaceted. It wasn't like, you know, either Islam or Christianity or Buddhism or whatever. It was really like making your own mold. And so some people studied like science with religion. Uh, you know, sometimes you would even find like Muslim people studying like Ajaz al-Ilmi, which is really a merge of these two. Uh, some people studied arts, um, fine arts and religion. And so you would find like the Islamic arts, the, the history of Islamic art and all of that. And so I'm giving examples just to showcase all the different um, disciplines that even my colleagues in, in, in university, you know, pursued. The one I pursued was women, gender, sexuality, and religion. And it very much tapped on what I was working in just before my master's, which was working with women and communities and development. And to find a place or an identity for these women um, in these societies. And if anything, I noticed that during that time, there was like sort of a hiccup that we were all as a society trying to out, you know, yeah, like really overcome collectively and individually speaking. And I think I, I thought back then that, you know, studying it through this lens um, was very much, uh, I would say, theoretical. And the first year was very much theoretical until uh, theoretical and also historical because I went back in time and studied early Islam and early women pioneers in Islam and, 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 and medieval, medieval Middle East and contemporary Middle East until I reached uh, today's Middle East and started studying or analyzing and, and, and you know, tracing um, women's identity, but more so also uh, minority groups, brown uh, identities and putting that in how we're representing them in both um, contemporary film and literature. So from pure theology, contemporizing it into studying, okay, so does how does that really fall into what we do and how we represent ourselves today in front of the camera? And I think that really led me to where we are, I am now. <laughs> Um, Fatma, can I think like that's such a recurring theme in your career. Like when I look on, when I look at your social media, I see so many different facets of you. I feel like there's like 10 different versions of you. Like there's the actor, the director, the writer, there's the person who, who's much more of like a critic and just the storyteller. Like there's so many facets, but I feel like they're all interlinked and there's like a fluidity to everything. So everything feels super organic and like, I feel like you can go into different spaces in what you do. Like, it's not like a cookie cutter, I am this. But it's much more about like, what does this mean? And how is this connected to this? Oh, I have skill sets in here, but like, I'm interested in this. I'm going to merge what I know here into this space. So it's this constant like motion and layering of the subjects that I think you're interested in. And I can see that as you're talking, like how you've kind of pivoted and went into different spaces, but also in your career. Um, but before we get into like the many faces of Fatma. I want to talk about your first job. What was your first job, first check, first money that goes into your account? And what did the first job ever teach you? So my mom um, was a founder of a center, um, extracurricular, you know, uh, center that a lot of girls, actually most of the girls I know in Saudi, like I would 
say I knew them from that summer camp, uh, extracurricular activities that we did after school. And so as the daughter of that owner, uh, eventually I worked a lot there, especially during summers, like by either volunteering or not. Um, and I think my first job was at that center. Uh, but eventually I think my first cent- uh, experience or job beyond that, and I always like to pinpoint that as it and not the previous is because I felt like more independent, not under, you know, my mom's sort of like organization. Like my mom's my boss. Yeah, exactly. It felt better, you know, and I I would rather uh, term the other one or or pinpoint it as my first. Um, It was actually a summer camp for children and I was an arts and storytelling teacher. Um, I was probably like 17 or 16 and, um, no, actually younger. Hold on. Yeah. It was probably 15 or 16. And it was, it was really a summer camp, uh, that hosted a lot of the children of Jeddah. And I had two different roles. One was the arts teacher and another was the storytelling teacher. And, uh, that was my first paycheck. What is the one thing you learned from that job experience, the independent one? Let's leave the one with your, where your yeah, mom is a boss yeah. on the side for now. It was really how children were very fluid, very, you know, the exploration. They, you know, they involved themselves in the curiosity they had in their eyes. Um, how hooked they were when you began telling a story in a different tone. How they would, you know, even... You know, the waves they would do with their heads, like as you change that tone, as you tell the story. And and that alone really um, mesmerized me, I think, growing up. I mean, looking back at it now, I, I'm starting to even create another, you know, um, sort of track record of me and storytelling once again. And Fatma, now that, now that you're describing the kids, like to me, that's also you, like you're super curious, you super get hooked and like you ask questions and it's you're like, I feel you're quite animated as well. So I feel like it's simply just, you know, you have a lot of that awesome childlike curiosity that a lot of people lose when they start to work, which I still feel you have. Um, when did you first realize I want to be an actress or like how... When did you transition into like the filming space? What was like, was it at a home moment? Did someone find you? How did you get into that space? So in short, I had actually in the studio where I'm talking to you from, um, I hosted a social form of theater uh, for multiple years. Um, right after graduating from Effet uh, with my bachelor's, I mentioned I worked with the Family Protection Society. And um, and it was during that time that I also founded or co-founded a social form of theater that, uh, you know, really invited family and friends mostly <laughs> to watch and interact with uh, short plays that tapped on different realities that we lived at the time and engaged in recreating those realities um, in a sense that Um, I would say, changed a spectator from a spectator's role into a spect actor. And it was really a term that was uh, brought in with the 
social form of theatre that, that I was part of or co-founded, which is Theatre of the Oppressed. And uh, it goes back to early times of Brazil, actually, uh, and now has very different chapters all around the world. And the director of the first film that I starred in, Baraka Meets Baraka, uh, director Mahmoud Sabah, knew about my involvement with this theatre and reached out also as a friend who was who wanted someone who wanted an actor who was uh, who could be engaged with the audience um, has skills in public speaking knows how to talk about film about Saudi and really represent all of that and not only act in front of the camera and when he reached out I was just graduating from my masters uh, in Boston And he was like, you know, I have a script and I really want you to read it. I had plans of going back to the States after uh, summer holidays to also work in the States for a couple of years before heading back to Saudi. But really, one thing took me into another. And, and I found myself, you know, in front of his audition um, this room and I was in front of his camera auditioning. And I took the role and it was that, it was Baraka meets Baraka. After that, you know, I, I worked, um, you know, literally a day after finishing our shoot with Baraka meets Baraka, I had my consultancy job at the Islamic Development Bank here in Jeddah. And it was exactly a day after the shoot. I went to the bank with black nail polish that I had, you know, no... Um, you know, uh, nail polish remover to remove it that night. And I, and I went as a consultant into my job, partially Baraka and partially Fatima. Um, and as I was, you know, in my job, I heard the news of uh, getting accepted into the Berlin, Berlin Ali that year in February. And so what happened was, as I was in that job, you know, routine every day in, day out. I heard the news of uh, Baraka meets Baraka getting accepted in the Berlinale. And so from then on, we were traveling nonstop to attend different film festivals that received the film. And it, of course, it was very important for the marketing and for, you know, the packaging of the film for me and Hisham, my colleague star, to, um, to be present alongside the director. I was going to say you, yeah, I mean, it was very important for you to be present there, but also like, I really want to be there. Like, I feel like you're like, this is my job. Like, screw the consulting. You're just like, you need me. Do you guys need me? I'm there. Like, where are we going? Yeah, yeah. Like the success of the film counts on me being there. Count me in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm sure it did. But also like, I can imagine like what a weird transition, like going, like being on set. It's like creative energy and just like collaborative vibes and then going to a consulting job in a corporate where it's just like can't, I can't breathe and everybody's in cubicles and it's like everybody's yeah. covered and yeah like it must be like I don't belong here um yeah. so after that what when did this become your full-time job like when were you like yeah I'm not gonna settle like this is gonna be it and I'm gonna just live in the space and become good at it I would say it was that it was exactly then Um, I started traveling to film festivals and it was, you know, a lot of people did not even understand what I was trying to do, but I really wanted to eventually get to where I am today. But at the time, there was no infrastructure for doing so. And so people were like, but 
you're so far away from you, both jobs are so far away from each other and I'm like no they're actually they're actually two sides of the same coin you know what I'm trying to do is to work on social empowerment on um you know psychosocial development through storytelling and if I was doing anything as a consultant it was to imp- create strategies for what I now want to do through storytelling um the only difference is i was working on my laptop or on a desktop um on strategies for others to you know empower themselves or create you know tools for them to reach um you know a better um growth but now i can do it while being immersed with society as it does so as my work impacts them in a way directly or indirectly It's no secret that over and over again we're constantly getting stuck in our careers, which is probably why you're listening to this podcast. You could be stuck or demotivated or uninspired and you don't know who to go to for questions or for connections or someone who's been there done that, which is why we're building an exciting platform called Playbook. Playbook uses the power of storytelling by game-changing women to help you hack your life both personally and professionally. We're building a resourceful community where you can find the answers to all your questions from mentors and diverse women that are all trying to figure out the ins and outs of their careers. You can be a part of our story from the very beginning and create and build your legacy with us by becoming a founding member. For a one-time fee of $500, you get a bunch of perks such as lifetime access to our platform, an official founding member certificate that you can share on LinkedIn, and a testimonial for your LinkedIn page. plus 20 scholarships in your name to girls and women from different parts of the world who unfortunately don't have access to the education they need. Check out our website www.getplaybook.com to learn more about how you can be a founding member of our platform. Fatma, I really feel like as long as you're living your purpose and if that's like touching as many people through storytelling, it's like you're like just i can do the corp- like give me a laptop like i can do the screen thing i can write and direct just as long as there is like the common mission that you're living um which is yeah. which is really cool because it's like change the channel but as long as i'm doing the thing the part that i actually love to do or I, or there's a connection there i feel like you could flourish in in whatever space that you want now after baraka meets baraka was huge obviously it would go on just to like really kill the awards it just did so well what happened after that like did you find yourself in other roles did other roles show up to you did you find an agent did the career take off after that so yes eventually i i was approached by different managers and agents in when i was in toronto film festival and i was really overwhelmed because you know as i mentioned earlier there was no infrastructure back home for such a field um there was but in in um i would say in tv series and again i would always pinpoint the clear difference to me at least between tv shows and what we had and what was very much flourishing and not even flourishing it was very much established um in saudi arabia back then even you know that had started even as early as the 90s and 80s but what i was trying to carve along with a couple of colleagues of mine was cinema and that traveled to film festivals that was critiqued by film critics that was reviewed and given rates and you know it was a different industry it was an industry but th- we had no industry we had a couple of works projects 
And so when I was being approached by different agents and managers, I didn't know, you know, what was the next step to be. And I felt a great sense of responsibility, but also fear to embark on something that uh, that that would package me or portray, portray me in a certain way and eventually portray other women from the region or from at least Saudi Arabia in a certain way. And I wanted to avoid that. I wanted to not be leading in something that I was also earlier in my um, education, I was criticizing, which is a very specific representation of women or of Arab identity in cinema, which we, you know, had seen earlier in different Hollywood productions, uh, foreign productions in general. And I didn't want to partake, I didn't want to take a role in that. And so it was sort of, you know, this time of, you know, whether to let go and just go and become a star from that, from there, or set my grounds, go back home and work slowly but surely with a clear um, anchor of the representation I want to be. And, and that's what I, that's what I chose. Honestly, I went back home, didn't take any of the roles that I, I, I was offered. Um, and now I don't know how to think about that, honestly, because it's sometimes it's tricky. You can get a very big role, big, a very, become a very big star with one specific international role. And then, you know, you can become a very big star, one role that creates big waves for you and then become the influencer you want to, you know, you want to become with other projects that you... But can I tell you something? When you were talking about your two options, your voice changed with the second one. There was like a a rootedness. Like, that was the right decision for you. Like, maybe the first one's on the table and it's like uh, seducing you. But like, the second one is the one that your voice deepens and it's like, I can do it. This is my path my story my journey but I just want to say that if I was you and or I was your friend I'd be like okay you become exclusive for the Middle East you become exclusive for Canada you all have to go through me and then you know but obviously having that person to protect your energy is key and to negotiate and like yeah I don't know if you saw the movie Elvis I just saw it a few days ago it was so good and like yeah like what if he went home and he calmed down and he got the right, you know, support and he maybe got a bit of education and did some research before like, woohoo, signing off his life away. And then, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, look, pros and cons for sure, like for everything yeah. that we do. But like, yeah, that's tragic. That's just like I'm sucked into things. I don't know what I signed. I don't know who I'm working with. I don't know who has a reputation. So, yeah, yeah. I am pro doing what what we are guided to do. And you're probably guided to be like, OK. Let's take plan B. Let's take door number B because that's what we know is right for us for now. Um, I feel like this is a bit of a therapy session. Okay, Uh, (laughs) let's talk about when did you diversify into like, when did you become excited to learn other things like writing and directing? Like when did that moment happen, which is I can do this, I can do that. Or like, you know, it's, it's again, we go back to the mission of its storytelling in whatever channel it is. But when did that moment come to you? So funny enough, I think um, writing and directing came because I also found um, a hiccup down the road, which was, again, the issue of representation. 
that this time didn't come from abroad. And sometimes, you know, you revise yourself, you go back, take a step and say, you know, eventually, whatever position you take, whatever track you choose for yourself, you have to be the agent that creates the change for yourself. So it's not going to come from outside. No one's going to come and change the narrative for you. You have to change your own narrative. And so I said, okay, if I'm only an actress in especially uh, early on, I, I think right after Baraka, there wasn't a lot of, you know, um, options because especially in cinema, there were more shows, as I mentioned. And so what was important was to really be selective. Um, but it also came with, a, you know, you would, it came with the downside that you had very little work to, you know, agree on, right? Because it's not like we had... 50 different projects that you could choose like three or four from. No, you probably just had like three or four projects that you could choose one from. That was if you were lucky. <laughs> Very slim. And so, um, you know, I grew with that, uh, keeping a track of why I'm taking this project, what does it serve, what am I seeing through it, and all of that. And again, I keep reminding myself that I'm not doing, I'm not working in drama or in cinema to... It's not a documentary. I don't want clear messages. If I'm doing a specific genre, I really want to be true to that genre. So I want to go and really, you know, go fully with it. I'm just saying that representation was key, even with choosing different genres and even whatever, you know, um, just so like, you know, our listeners don't think that I'm, I'm creating like a very specific talk show. No, it's not a talk show. It's fun. It's a thrill. If I choose, um, psychological thriller it's a psychological thriller we're going with that but the message in it the representation the role I'm playing is true and honest and a lot of women around the world could relate to especially in the Middle East because I think we were back in that we were we, we were steps behind and I wanted to be a, you know to take role in, in in pushing that forward so you're a true artist I find that probably some directors would love it and some are like just do the part Fatma and you're like no but what's yeah. the message like, what are, what are we really trying to do here? Like, can I do the additional reading? Like, what inspired you? Can I interview all these people? So it's like, yeah, I mean, you're talking about true mastery of being an artist, which is, it's not just about, like, doing the job. It's about, like, yeah, like, staying true to, true to yourself, which is, I, I want to create something that is impactful and that means something to me, so it can mean something to other people. Um, but some people might call that difficult. <laughs> It depends. Uh, as in, like, if it's business, right? Like, I can imagine, I'm like, ooh, why are we promoting this? Let's go, and it's like, just record. Record the damn ad. Record yeah, just record it. Um, okay, my other question to you is, you directed and co-wrote a Saudi drama called Ashek. What was that? What was that experience like? Wow, Ashek was uh, filmed, created from A to Z during COVID, during lockdown in Saudi Arabia. And so um, actually from this desktop that I'm calling from now was the workshop of the protagonist. And the room just behind me was the bedroom of the protagonist. So we filmed the whole thing from my studio um, with partnership um, with different actors in, different, in uh, four different locations around the world. Uh, one was in London, one was in Abu Dhabi, and two others were in Jeddah. And then we had the production, uh, two different units, one in Beirut and one in Jeddah with me. So the main production site was here in my studio. And of course, um, 
this was a Shahid original. Uh, Shahid signed up for it early on when we pitched the project for them. And um, it was really inspired by the circumstances we were living. And me and the producers were like, okay, let's create something because we're all in lockdown first <laughs> and second because as filmmakers all around the world we were experiencing this question of but hold on how do we ever get back to filming like will this change our lives forever like the circumstances we were going through as as a pandemic um and we wanted to create a case study of of the possibility of creation, even during all those limitations and even when it's almost impossible to create. We can create. Do you ever feel like everybody around you has things figured out when it comes to their career except for you? Do you look at successful people and want to figure out how do they make a living doing what they love? Do you ever feel like what you're learning in school and university is not what you see yourself doing? Welcome to Playbook, where we're trying to change the dynamic and reinvent career progression for women. We want to be with you every step of the way as you navigate the challenges in your journey. We're building a platform that gives you a community and content that also uses the power of storytelling through shared experiences by game-changing women who've shattered the glass ceiling. Join our waiting list and be the first to know when the platform goes live. Get on get-playbook.com to sign up to our newsletter and be the first to pilot our new technology. I want to ask this question. So Shahid, you pitched something to Shahid. You came up with an idea. You put together, I'm sure, a team and of, of collaborators. What did it feel like to get that deal from Shahid? Like, yeah, Fatma, sure, we're in. And like, did they go for the budget that you wanted? Like, was it like, where do we sign? Or was there, is, is it more complicated than that? <laughs> um, so, do you, I mean, I think a lot of different projects have different um, reasons for success. And it's really using what we have, what you have as a creator. Um, sometimes it's only time, like when your project is released. Uh, sometimes it could be, could be a great, great project, but like it's released with, I don't know, Batman's release on in the next hall and it would, you know, jeopardize it. And so it was timely. Uh, there was a dearth of productions, I would say, especially in Saudi Arabia, filmed inside Saudi. And so when uh, the producers in Beirut pitched it to Shahid with attaching our names, uh, myself as lead, different names that I helped with, you know, casting and, uh, you know, putting forward the, the pitch and all of that. And I, I would like to thank really um, the producers also in Beirut for taking the lead in that. Um, and it was timely for Shahid, I, I would say. I mean, I don't know, I'm not them, but I would say it was... Um, a rare, good opportunity. It was an opportunity and why why waste it? It seems like it all worked out, good timing, good projects, just like things worked out beautifully. Um, exactly. how, how were you during COVID? So like, clearly you were busy doing this, but like, was it a time of creative expression and just like, yes, or did you lose your mind and you were like, I need to see people? Um, so I live thankfully with my extended family and that's really been, a great, great privilege and like something I 
I'm empowered by, honestly, as a person. Uh, it's my uh, comfort zone. It's my support system. Uh, living in an extended family, especially during those times, not only during COVID, but during a time where it's not only fast, but very much individualistic, very much travel-oriented. It's very important to go back to your backbone, to your, you know, your support. Yeah. And so during COVID, um, I spent time with my grandparents, with my mother, my siblings, and it was crucial for us to have that family time, but also to have alone time. And I think in the alone time, you know, Zoom was something that we resorted to, as I think the whole world did. Um, but eventually I wanted to create something that was solid. I felt like, and this is also my personality. I like to choose a project that I put my all into as much as people say that I'm multifaceted, I wear different hats, but when I work on a project, I'm wholeheartedly into that project during that time. I don't, I don't, or I try to avoid working on like five projects or three projects at the same time because then you're distracted and you're not putting your whole um but when a chef came on board it was that project that i chose for myself to really embark on um and then once it was over you know i went back to creating and also to consuming and i resorted to one thing you know it was also really uh confirming what I had sort of believed in, which is art. Like the whole world resorted to art, you know, even theaters were uploading their plays, international Broadway shows were uploading plays online for people to consume, for people to watch from their living rooms. And so it was a time where the whole world realized, you know, how important art was. We all resorted to it when at a time of need, right? And it was very important. I started journaling like, hello, Julia Cameron, I love you. You saved me. So like the artist way, like I had a baby. So talk about a, um, creating oh, wow. a human piece of art that came out of me. So I actually made eyeballs. I made organs. I made <laughs> hair. I made toes. Like I made an entire thing with flesh. And like, anyway, so like I did my 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 duty for society um but yeah and i read like a thousand books i i totally get it like it was a time for reflection but also i created this podcast i was one of those people that like bought the podcast equipment where like the whole world sold out of podcast equipment i was one of them that was like yep starting a podcast because i just felt i needed to like consume but also be creative like i think there's a balance exactly actually you reminded me of um the podcast i so i don't know if you're familiar with my project the other story um, yes, I follow it on social media. Yeah, and so the other story was always handwritten. Like the, the, the story collection I have, thousands of stories were all handwritten because I had collected only stories from the streets, like coffee shops, universities, companies, etc. And so during, the, during COVID, it was the first time for the other story project to begin collecting stories online, typed and so I actually opened a whole category um, like on the website to collect stories. And it was the first time that I welcomed stories from the world because it was a website and not like physical in Jeddah. And then I turned all these stories into a podcast that was called, you know, the other story podcast. 
Uh, and it was only the, the stories I narrated uh, during COVID were called uh, the quarantine stories, Qasas al Quarantino. And, you know, it was, it was very interesting because you just drink. I don't know, just reminded me of that. <laughs> Fatma, this sounds so beautiful. Like, I follow it, but when you explain it in that way, it's so much more romantic. This reminds yeah. me a bit like Modern Love. It's a show on Prime where they yes. feature different... But, like, I can imagine this being such a cool pitch. Like, you know, like, finding the... I mean, it's all beautiful, but imagine finding, like, 15 and turning it into, like, a series, like a Modern Love series for the Middle East. It's so beautiful. Not that they all have to be around love, but I can just imagine that... Like the different, like, you know, humorous and using different, you know, um, moods to describe the, the different stories. I want to talk about money, Fatma, because I think as women, we need to be talking about money, how to get it, how to make it, and how to make enough of it to do the parts that we love to do in life, right? So we all want to do the parts that we love in life and get paid well for it. So um, w- when you made that decision to become a full-time creative artist, including being a writer, directing, and... Uh, just a public figure as well. Did you get to that moment where you're like, wow, I'm getting paid to do what I love to do and it's actually paying me for my value? Or are you still working towards it? It wasn't paying me for my value at all. <laughs> um, well, at least, yeah, I realize that now. Um, so I think that comes with a little bit of privilege, honestly. Uh, I, can't, I can't take, you know... Um, full credit for pursuing what I loved at a time when it wasn't paying me what I what I needed, right? Because it's what you want, but also what you need. So when I took on those projects early on after Baraka, um, as I said, it was a time where, no, it wasn't an industry. It was just a project. Most people that worked in this field were either um, bankers, uh, you know, salesmen and women uh, working in real estate or um, engineers in the morning, filmmakers at night. Uh, the closest of people that worked in cinema were people that had um, advertising agencies and created ads for, you know, they would create one ad for the Saudi National Day and it would pay for the rest of the year. So they were able to do things that um, they loved during that year, right? Um, I didn't want to go into advertising. It wasn't, I mean, it was either cinema or nothing. I love cinema. I'm a film buff. That's my calling. It's either there or I would go back to social development, working on the ground with, I don't know, camps and travel to different parts of the world and participate in social development. Um, But so I, I took on that very strongly it didn't pay. Um, sometimes I would get paid through ads. And so that was uh, good enough. Uh, and then I also took on my role as, um, as what did I want to say, um, a consultant. And so during the first two or three years of my work in cinema, I did not quit working as a uh, uh, I would say freelancing consultant. Uh, so in terms of uh, extracurricular acti- activities, curriculums, uh, building curriculums for schools, uh, social development work, all of that really paid well. And it was free, you know, it was, um, you know, I would choose what project I wanted to embark on and when. And that paid, but cinema didn't pay. And I love that. You know, that's the, that's the, that's the honest truth. That's like, 
yeah, I mean, uh, choosing what we want to do, even if it doesn't pay us, is a privilege. And, and thank you so much for sharing that because I think a lot of the times people believe that we are like, what they see on social media is real. And it is, it's, it's part of, it, it's, it's moments of our lives, right? But actually, no, we're all trying to figure things out. We're all trying to like figure out how to make a living out of this. We're all trying to like build stronger rate cards. We're, 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 we're walking away from things and saying no and saying yes to things sometimes because it's giving us a bit of both. So um, thank you for being honest about that and uh, sharing. Um, I have so many questions, but just we have a few more minutes, but I want to ask, we might, I might do a part two with you because this is really fun, but I want to ask, um, when I look at your social media account, like four different Fatmas, like this is a different one, and this is like, one is like a minimal jewelry, like beautiful, like, you know, profile photo. One of you is like, you look like you're a teenage girl in school. One of you is, you look like a European model, like with like chopped hair. Um, and then, and then there's the Glamazon that's like red carpet, just like, whoa, like, you know, Angelina Jolie vibes. Like, I'm just like, in every photo, it's like a reinvention. Is that on purpose? Or is that like, hey, that's just my face <laughs> from different angles. It's a gift my face has. Because it's just like, even your profile picture is like, I'm looking at you and then looking at her and I'm like, she could be your sister. And then I could see the other photos. I'm like, younger sister, older sister, maybe mom. But like, they're all, they're all you, but they're all different like experiences of you or facets of you. Um, yeah. So I think it's just, it's super cool because it's like versatile, versatility 101. <laughs> Welcome to, um, yeah, I think it's just really repackaging yourself because it's important for you and, and to balance it out, like to balance everything out. I, I find sometimes that I, I can't even look at my own Instagram account because of because it happens to be that that time of the year I'm in different film festivals. And so there is all of that glam and I need to balance it out eventually after I recover <laughs> and from the heels, obviously, number one, and from the makeup, <laughs> um, I try to shuffle things around and, you know, bring mention other parts, other dimensions of who I am. So it's uh, not necessarily my face anymore, but more of like what's around me. It could be that it's a place that I uh, passed by in one of those film festivals, um, took a video of, put a little bit of a narration with my voice and, and really made a commentary or a reflection of, um, of a view or of something. And that's still me. I mean... I don't see that as contradicting, but it's true. I have been told a lot that I confuse people. <laughs> I don't think it's confusing. I just think it's just like, um, who is Fatma? But I think also, definitely there is an element of surprise and like, not like don't pigeonhole me, but like, yeah. I, I don't feel you have that attitude, but like, yeah, like there's so much. There's so much that I like, so much that I enjoy. There's so much that I'm doing. Not even like seeing it and like there's so much, but just like layers, like different factors, yeah. different angles. And and it's true because we're all layers. And you know what? How could you translate that to a screen? Like, I mean, it it empowers me in different. Uh, I mean, thank God I'm an actress. Like that helps because then you have a different sort of portfolio. Um, 
But also as humans, I think we're very different. We're different with our friends. We're different with families. We're different with the public. And it's important to sometimes showcase that. Uh, so you're not... So you're not packaging yourself. You know, sometimes the most difficulty, like I think growing up, I remember I changed schools at some point because I felt that I was packaged as a certain type of person uh, in one school. And I, the moment I wanted to change from that person, I mean, I still like that person, but I wanted to showcase a different edge, a different dimension. And I, it led me to actually change schools so I can allow for the other side of me to shine. And, you know, why me to do that? I can still just tell people, hey, yeah, today it's different. Today, this is me. And, and, and you're all you, you know. You are all you. I'm going to call this podcast, you are all you. Uh, <laughs> Fatma, like, this is so fun. Like, you're definitely, like, I'm not saying this to be flattering. You're definitely muse-like, like a muse. You can just, like... It's, it's inspiring because it's not very easy to figure out and I love it. And like, it's, it's, there's a lot more to be said about the things that interest you and the things that you want to do. Um, two more questions express, right? Like I, I can squeeze okay. in more. One is what is like the big hairy audacious goals for Fatma? Like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when you close your eyes, what vision do you see? Like, what are you doing? Are you writing? in like an island in Capri, that's my vision for myself. I'm just projecting <laughs> on you. Or are you directing? Are you doing still all the things? Like, what are you, what does like the big picture look like? No, I really, I mean, I, I think about my work and I think about um, having uh, my, fir- my, my features as a writer director, um, you know, shine in one, in one side and then, uh, different acting roles more internationally, I would say. I mean, I have a, a good ground in Saudi and it's growing by day. Like all of us Saudi talents are really been supported uh, recently and it's great support. But I I do envision um, growing internationally, hopefully. Uh, I took a step or steps into Egyptian cinema or Egyptian drama, but I, I see myself growing even beyond that or beyond the Arab world. Um, and also, I don't know, but... This is a very different side of me again. <laughs> um, I'm, my book is being released next month, actually. Or what do you feel is your superpower? I like to wrap up usually the podcast episode with this question. This time, this moment, I would say persistence. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening to an episode of the Women Power Podcast. And thank you for downloading and streaming our podcast every week. If you love what you've heard, tag us on Instagram and follow the Women Power podcast and Women Power Summit account for more information on our next episode. Please leave a rating review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps other women discover the show. That's it from me. See you next week.